Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, anyone who want to learn more about content marketing and website improvements. Welcome. Today we are going to discuss how you can create content, stand out from the rest, how you can improve your website performance. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Andrew Shulkin. How are you? I'm very well, Anatoly. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited because I want to learn more. I love it. I'm student on this live. <laughs> so people can think that I have this podcast to promote my business. No way. I'm learning. I'm learning with you. <laughs> okay, Andrew, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Uh, sure. Uh, Andrew Shulkin is my name. The company is Andigo. Uh, Andigo.com is our website. Uh, we work uh, with mission-driven businesses, mostly B2B companies in the $2 to $25 million range. And as you've already alluded to, we do website development and design work and content marketing uh, and the strategy that underpins all of that. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Let's talk about design. The last time I spent so much time and care a lot about design because uh, it's important to be simple and i like design from apple.com or google.com you know very simple very simple uh, but i often see when companies create hard design uh, and uh, customers don't know what to click where to go can you tell about simplicity uh, how to simplify the experience in design sphere and uh, uh, how to find the balance between selling for example on apple.com If I open the main page, I can see only iPhone, nothing else. I can't find MacBook, AirPod, Apple Watch, because uh, Apple uh, gets plus uh, 40% from by selling iPhones. So uh, Apple doesn't try to sell a MacBook, but you can find if you scroll down or click uh, to other buttons. So can you tell about paying attention to priorities to skip the rest don't confuse customers and create simple design <laughs> sure um first i'll give a shout out to a a great great book that has been in print for i don't know how mm-hmm. 20 years maybe called don't make me think by mm-hmm. a fellow named steve krug k-r-u-g and uh definitely well worth the read um kind of thing that's sitting around in the office here somewhere all dog here because uh, i go back to it so often um and the idea of simplicity is sort of what what uh, uh, underpins that whole book and I think our approach to design as well. You really want to make it simple enough for your audience to understand where they're going and how to get there without having to think about it. That's not the point. It's not, um, you know, they're not there to try and figure things out. They're trying to figure to trying to get answers to some problem that they're trying to solve. That's the only reason they're on your website. Um, so design doesn't need to be, uh, uh, thought about in the same way as if your audience is a bunch of designers who are going to be very picky about the kinds of things they look at your design, which doesn't mean that simple is easy. I'm not trying to say that, but your design needs to just feel right for the audience that you have in mind. So I would certainly say number one rule on this is, uh, beyond don't make me think is don't do this by committee. Um, hire just a good designer or trust the designer you have in-house. Whoever's doing the work, trust that they, they know what they're doing and let them do it. Get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Nice. And can you tell how to find a good designer? You know, it's like not simple task uh, to hire anyone. 
and I spend so much time to find great designers, but um, people usually chase the price. I think it's a big mistake. <laughs> Good designers charge a lot because they yeah. have this experience. They can provide a lot more. So can you tell your ways how to find great designers uh yeah you know that's a, a really good question for us you know it's all about our network and and the, the folks that we have worked with for years a couple of designers i work with we have worked with for more than 15 years together um so th that can certainly be helpful uh there are surprisingly good resources on on uh you know websites out there that uh have a lot of uh, um marketing kind of folks out there. And I would certainly reach out to others in the marketing field to see who they've worked with that they like um, and they feel might be a good fit for, for what you're trying to do. Above all else, I think you, you want to make sure that you're hiring a graphic design professional, not an artist who dabbles in graphic design, not someone who does packaging design and is thinking about getting into websites, right? Those are, they're, they're all very closely related, but They're different enough that um, you're probably not going to get the results you want if that's the direction you go. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to ask about finding the balance between uh, content that we can find on Amazon and Apple. For example, on apple.com, I can see simple design, but Amazon sells billion products. And um, I think like if I... Uh, search for a new product, I can uh, get all stages of sales funnel from uh, top to bottom. Uh, I can find reviews, uh, descriptions, pictures, videos, price, anything in one page. And sometimes I don't need to research more. Uh, but it works for Amazon because Amazon can sell a lot of products. People know uh, the structure. And I see this trap when uh, new websites... Uh, try to replicate Amazon, uh, sometimes it's not a good idea. So can you tell how to find this balance between Apple and Amazon? <laughs> you know, I think uh, I've never heard this question before. And it's really an interesting one. <laughs> The first thing that came to mind when you said it is, well, how aware of you of where in the buying process or your sales funnel is the person who's just come to your website? And I think there's a big difference almost baked right into Apple and Amazon, where Apple, there's a good chance folks are, are already pretty far into that. You know, they've already decided that they're not getting a Samsung phone or a Nokia phone. They're, they're going to get an, an iPhone or they're going to get a MacBook and not a PC or whatever the case may be. So they're already there and they're far enough through that now it's just, hey, what specs do I want? What color do I want? And things like that. Whereas an Amazon there's a much bigger universe and I'm looking for, um, I don't know, a license plate holder, holder for my car or, you know, whatever the case may be, rechargeable batteries. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of things I've bought on Amazon recently. <laughs> and that's a very different kind of web page um, than what Apple needs to do to be effective. So I think that that more than anything, when you're trying to strike that balance between that very clean design Um, and sort of a minimalist approach and Amazon, which has got a lot, you know, a very uh, uh, information rich page in most of those pages. Um, you've just got to think about who your audience is, what kind of information they're looking for. And there's a reasonable chance that you're not going to have pages of either extreme, but you'll have pages that sort of run a good bit of the spectrum from very simple to much more in depth, uh, depending on where that page is on your website and who you expect to be looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. We need to know customers before creating any content to understand uh, yes. 
about them. Andrew, I want to ask about content marketing. Um, what I usually see when uh, companies create a huge list of topics for content marketing, but have limited resources, like uh, one, two copywriters in their team, uh, probably designers. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, it's hard to create a lot of high-quality content at scale, and it's important to choose priorities. For example, uh, sometimes I can write an article for for a few weeks because I have no time, many other things to do, so priorities. Uh, can you tell how to prioritize content plan, uh, your methods, how to do it? Because, for example, if I choose the wrong way, sometimes, uh, for example, uh, what I usually see when companies uh, chase high volume, uh, they find topics on SEMrush, Google Keyword Planner, IHRS, most many, many great tools. They see high volume, but it's hard. It's really hard to compete with big brands in the top 10 that deserve uh, these ranking positions. It's uh, hard to sell by having these keywords. Uh, for example, uh, once I spoke with Webmaster who lost 400,000 traffic, a lot of traffic because Google dropped his ranking positions, but he didn't lose any sales. So he got a lot of traffic that didn't convert, uh, didn't sell. So um, can you tell how to find the right content plan for content marketing and choose priorities. Uh, I love that story of uh, someone losing all the traffic they didn't yeah. want, but none of the traffic they did want. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you don't hear that very often. Um, well, let's see. I would start uh, from uh, an implementation standpoint before getting to, mm -hmm. I don't know, strategies or you know the research you need to do to make sure you're, you're pointed in the right direction in terms of keywords. Um, and for me, Systems and processes are so important. You just mentioned not uh, having written an article in a couple of weeks because you don't have time. And ideally, you put systems and processes in place so that you avoid that. So it's not like, hey, it's Tuesday afternoon. I'm supposed to be posting a blog post now. Uh, I better think about what I'm going to write. All that should be done uh, in, in advance. Um, and you should ideally have something ready well before your deadline, but also have a system in place that you're thinking not just about this article, because that becomes, you know, sort of haphazard, but instead are thinking about a system of content. Who are you writing for? Where do you need content? You probably have uh, a couple of different audience segments. And in each of those audience segments, you have the kind of content that will appeal to people who have just learned about you, people who know a little bit about you, and people who already trust you enough that now they're considering you as an option for solving their problem. Um, all different kinds of content, and you should be creating those kinds of content in all those, you know, sort of a matrix, right? Different uh, 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 steps in the sales process, different uh, verticals, different industries that, uh, you know, might be using it, and of course, um, different uh, products and services that you're selling. That's uh, one of the keys, I would say, to, to making sure you've got great content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. And what for you great content means, you know, because it's subjective. <laughs> when I write an article, I can feel it's the best article ever. It's my <laughs> best opinion. And uh, I'm pretty sure Google has own algorithm to figure out people can uh, find 
better articles. So, uh, can can you tell about great content? What does it mean? Because uh, it, it's a generic question, but I often get this question from my audience. We they don't know how to measure the quality of content because we can measure. I don't know, like domain authority, page authority, but nobody knows how to measure the quality of content. Yeah. Well, you know, I when I think about this, I think about. Hollywood blockbuster movies. And when I put something out there that I think is going to be great and it just doesn't get the engagement I'm expecting, my, my first thought is, well, at least I didn't spend $100 million on that, um, <laughs> right? So there's something about how things hit and, and how things appear to an audience differently than they do to creators that is in some way unknowable, right? Like, you know, the, the, the people who spent $100 million on a flop didn't didn't do it because they thought it was going to be a flop. And of course, we don't spend time writing stuff that we think is great um, uh, for any other reason than we think it's great. And of course, it's okay that not every piece of content you create you think is great, but don't be surprised when something you're like, hey, that's solid, but I'm not sure it's the best thing I've ever written, all of a sudden uh, gets a lot of traction, You know, gets a lot of action, gets a lot of love from the search engines and from social media, et cetera. Um, so I think you've got to uh, experiment and have, uh, uh, you know, sort of check your ego a bit and uh, be humble about it because you just never know what is going to work um, or isn't. I mean, within bounds, right? Uh, things that are poorly written or poorly researched or are rife with typos and grammatical errors and things like that's just, you know, that's uh, just basic price of getting in the door. You've got to have all of that. But after that, um, you just have to pay attention to, hey, this worked or this didn't, and try and tease out a little bit what your audience is uh, interested in and what, just as importantly, especially for, for SEO purposes, what the competitive landscape looks like. If that, you can write something great, but if, if there's already a lot of great stuff just like it out there, you're going to have trouble unseating who's ever incumbent in, the, you know, in, the, in that first uh, search engine results page. Yeah, love it, love it, valuable. Uh, I wanna ask about uh, B2B. I, I love uh, reading marketing books uh, and many uh, great books were written before digital. But when I read uh, them, I can feel uh, that all insights are related to digital uh, because Human psychology is the same. Nothing changed. People are still people. They are looking for value. But if you share value, it doesn't mean that you can retain your audience. Uh, it's important to uh, uh, keep I think I'm I'm losing a little bit there, Anatoly, uh, or perhaps you're losing me. But there's uh, definitely a a lag at the moment. Well, it looks like I've I've lost Anatoly, and since we're live, I'll uh, continue um, trying to I hope provide a little bit of value for the audience and and vamp here a little bit. Um, there are a handful of questions that Anatoly. Oh, he's back. Uh, yeah. Ready for that? Yeah, I'm back. Uh, yeah, I, I, I want to ask about how to retain audience longer. For example, okay, uh, if I share value, but we need to entertain a little bit. I mean, like, uh, it's not to share jokes or uh, to be funny. I mean, like, uh, to uh, uh, 
be non-boring. I, I remember once I spoke with Jim Edwards and he worked in Business Insider in 10 years. He started on this company from scratch. Then company was sold for 500 million dollars. Great success. And he told me success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. And I think it's important to share So, I mean, like, uh, to be non-boring <laughs> when you create content, you can share value. But if it's boring, people bounce fast. We have data everywhere. People bounce without hesitation, never get back. So, tell your methods how to retain the audience until the end. Well, uh, let's. I want to talk a little bit first about this idea of boring, right? So yeah. um, I, I agree 100% boring is not good, but there are too many people who think that the B2B industry that they work in is boring. And that's just not the case. You can present anything boring just about, right? Um, and anything that is critical to my business's success is not boring. So I think first we have to separate that out and then, and, and then focus on the content that you're creating. I think part of not being boring is, um, especially for small businesses who are the folks that we work with most frequently, is understanding that uh, people already know that you are not uh, a Fortune 500 company. You are not an international conglomerate. And trying to speak in the language that they speak in so often, which is, you know, very formal and third person and, you know, just uh, very uh, inward focused is just not going to succeed for you. I'm not sure these days it succeeds very well for them. And I think a lot of folks, certainly financial institutions, are coming around to a, a more outward looking kind of marketing. Um, and I think that if you are authentic and let your personality show through and are consistent in how you present You know, your ideas, whether, you know, you're a cheeky person or, you know, more uh, a quieter personality that'll come out uh, in your writing and people will either like it or not. You can't make everyone like it. But, you know, there are different folks in the world. I mean, everyone knows Gary V. Right. And um, not everyone in the world can drop a, tr you know, a train of F-bombs the way he can and retain an audience. You've got to sort of be who you are and not try and pretend to be someone else. And you'll find the people who like you and you'll lose the people who won't. And that's kind of the point. It can't be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. uh, what I like in Gary V, uh, he has a strong opinion about consistency. And uh, he highlights a few times about uh, to create more quantity than quality. Uh, it's quite different with uh, common thinking. Uh, and many marketers can tell quality is more important, less but quality, but Gary v thinks another way. And I understand why, because uh, Gary v, uh, you, you can't create quality without uh, creating a lot of quantity. And many great book offers usually write a lot every single day. It doesn't mean they will publish everything they wrote. It's like training, like Cristiano Ronaldo or Leo Messi can hit the ball a thousand times a day, but they play only in competition uh, in the weekend when people can watch. So we see the results. So can you tell how to improve the skills like Gary Vee? He usually posts a lot on all social media, get great success uh, and uh, have different way with consistency that many marketers can ignore. <laughs> Yeah, I think there are a couple of uh, pieces to, to that puzzle. One, uh, you know, I don't know who has said it first, but um, I, this brings me back to the idea of uh, 
the, the only way to have great ideas is to have a lot of ideas. So you should be thinking all the time about the kind of content that you want to create for your marketing. And you should be trying to create a lot of it. I've got, a, you know, and I think a lot of marketers have a, 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 an ideas file, um, things that are, you know, maybe just a title or maybe just a, a single sentence or maybe it's a couple of paragraphs already. Um, and some of them will never see the light of day. And that's fine. Um, I think it's great to, to, to develop that to a point that you can and see what happens, review it from time to time as things in your industry change and maybe other ideas, you know, bring something else to the fore. Um, I will stick maybe with the, the conventional wisdom that goes against Gary Vee and say, you do fewer things and do them well, right? Don't, you don't have to be on every social media channel and you shouldn't be, especially if, you're not active there and you don't know sort of the ethos and sort of what the, you know, the, the vibe is, um, then don't do it. Um, but at the same time, if you put the same systems and processes that we were talking about a few minutes ago in place, it's a lot easier to take the content that you create, the, the, the basic idea, and, um, and adapt it for different channels pretty quickly so that you can easily and efficiently be active on more social media channels than you might think. Um, but the key is making sure you've got those, those systems, those processes in place so that you can do it efficiently. Yeah. Uh, by the way, about uh, being everywhere, uh, I think Gary Vee started on Twitter as well. And he right. shared a lot that uh, he spent from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, around seven years without uh, day off so he spent so much time on twitter then uh, he jumped on youtube to create uh, this show about wine and uh, today he has a team who can help him to create content to repurpose content everywhere so if you have two hands like i have <laughs> and uh, i i tried uh, i tried to create content on facebook twitter instagram uh, LinkedIn, but uh, my best results were like uh, 500 views, uh, five followers a day. Then I switched all my attention to LinkedIn, uh, even without repurposing content. And I got like uh, plus uh, 300 followers a day. Some posts uh, get uh, 300,000 views uh, because of paying attention to one specific social media. And I found many great influencers they did it as well. They didn't try to cover on all social media, but when you have resources, when you have a team who can help you with that, so why not? Yeah, you can cover all social media like Gary Vee, but don't do it in the beginning. It's better to become the best in one social media. Andrew, I want to ask about creativity. Uh, let me share a short story about uh, Lloyd Richards. He published a book 11 years ago, um, and he's spent uh, it's interesting about the story uh, that he spent 14 years to write this book. 14 years. It's more than a decade to write a single book. Then he published this book and uh, he couldn't sell for a long time, uh, around 11 years. Uh, then his daughter posted content on TikTok about this book, short video. Uh, and uh, this video became viral. Plus 50 million people watch this video. And today this book is bestseller on Amazon. Uh, of course, I watch this video because I want to know how to get <laughs> plus 50 million people. Uh, and uh, what I found, it's 
so creative. It's not like nice looking design. Nothing special, but it's creative. Uh, his daughter uh, found the way how to uh, present this book, how to present this short story that offer spent 14 years to write a book. And uh, can you tell about creativity? Because I see a lot of generic marketing messages uh, that use many times. Customers are Uh, not interested with that. So any tips about creativity, how to become creative in your marketing? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, um, I, I think that, first of all, there are too many people, kind of like I was talking earlier about uh, so many people think that the industry they work in, because it's some B2B industry and, you know, sort of mm-hmm. an old in- insurance or something like that, that it's necessarily boring. And I think a lot of people look at creativity and think that's only for the people in the art department and musicians and painters. And um, I think that's kind of silly. Um, that's a kind of creativity, that artistic creativity, but there are many other kinds of creativity. And if you give yourself the space to start thinking about that in that way, you can be very creative. You can, and, and you also have to have a little bit of courage and you've got to have, I, I guess, a little bit of leeway from either your own company's finances, if you're running your own company, or from your boss to be like, hey, efficiency isn't our goal today. It's effectiveness. So let's think about some ideas and not all of them are going to be great. Not all of them are going to see the light of day, just like the, the, the content I was talking about earlier. Um, but some of those ideas really are going to be great. And they're going to be the things that break through the clutter that help you stand out. And I don't know if they'll get you 50 million uh, followers on TikTok, but they will, uh, or 50 million views rather, they'll certainly help you um, break out of whatever rut you might be in. So think a little bit more expansively about what creativity is and what it means um, and be willing to experiment a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without testing, experiment, you can't be, be creative, you know, because everyone starts with best practices then we can test, experiment, and yeah, find another way. Andrew, I want to ask about your strong side. Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, I found all marketers have some strong side, uh, weak side. Can you tell uh, why customers need to cooperate with you? Uh, why you are better than many other million marketers that we have today? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I am a writer at heart and mm-hmm. uh, What's central to me is the message. So um, back in the day, I had some pretty decent uh, coding skills. Um, I don't do that anymore, but no, just enough to to ask uh, <laughs> questions that some of my coders might not like to hear. Um, and I'm certainly nobody's idea of a graphic designer. So for me, it's all about message. And um, I'll tell you a little bit of story. You know, we started this company early enough that, you know, we were doing CD-ROMs before we were doing websites. And then we started doing websites. And uh, I think we were pretty undifferentiated. We were like a lot of other development shops out there. And it was when the search engines started paying attention to some of the black hat Uh, techniques that were going on. White text on a white background was sort of a favorite back then. Um, you know, people trying to get their page to the top of, of the search engine's results pages. Um, and the search engines fought back by putting more emphasis on on-page content. And for us, that's what that was the sort of watershed moment. So um, we it all came together for us because now we had all those skills and we were able to apply them in a way that really had benefit for, for our clients. 
Um, and the fact that we are so focused on message typically means that even if we aren't doing SEO or pay-per-click advertising or video production, our approach is very open to incorporating those ideas and making sure that everything is really well coordinated. So you're not just doing this piece of content for content marketing. You're not just doing that landing page to improve your website. We're doing all of it sort of as part of a system um, and hopefully in a way that, you know, the sum of the, uh, the parts, mm -hmm. is sort of, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts or whatever that phrase is. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, uh, you know, uh, for example, if you ask me to write an article about digital marketing, SEO, I can. I can write a uh, good piece. Uh, but if you ask me to write an article about investing, weight loss, how to play guitar, I can't. <laughs> I can't. That's why we usually outsource great writers. And it's a big struggle uh, today to find writers who can about specific topic. Uh, if you help customers to create great content, can you tell how to outsource or find writers who can create something new, special, and stand out from the rest? Yeah, that can be a little bit of a challenge, particularly in our world where the content isn't attributed, right? Like you go to a website and you don't really know who wrote it and you've got to do a little bit of, of research into that. So we have colleagues that uh, we work with and we look at their work and like, hey, who wrote that? And, you know, would you share them with us? And um, I think there's a lot of that. Again, you know, relationships matter and seeing people's work, that really matters. There's not um, typically a lot of room for uh, experimentation where someone's really going to stand out on their own. Uh, so uh, for me, that's, uh, that's important. And I think depending on the project, you may want to stick with someone who has domain knowledge, right? Particularly in areas that are heavily regulated. We've done a lot of work in finance and in pharmaceuticals, and you really better know the lay of the land and you better know the, the you know, sort of acronym soup that you're going to have to put up with and, and understand that there are regulatory and legal reviews. And in the case of pharmaceuticals, there are medical reviews before anything, even the simplest, you know, one sentence tagline uh, goes out it's going to be reviewed and it's just going to waste a lot of time if you're not, if you're not up to speed on that. But in other areas uh, it's great to get someone who's got a new perspective um, who's never worked in something like how to, you know, play the guitar, as you just pointed out. Um, clearly they need, they need to have domain expertise there as well, but um, a fresh perspective from someone who um, is typically looking at things from, from a different field uh, that can be valuable as well. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Awesome. Andrew, I want to ask about mistakes. In my life, I made a lot of mistakes. Some of them terrible, some of them slight mistakes, but I keep doing them because I don't know how to uh, start something new without doing mistakes. For example, I started PR and I wrote a, a bunch of press releases, pitch all of them, got zero mentions, zero links, nothing. Then but I learned how this process, process works. Uh, I hired specialists who can write press releases, great press releases. I hired specialists who can pitch them. And we got mentioned on CNN, Forbes, uh, uh, Business Insider, many other great websites because of creating this process. Can you list mistakes that marketers still do in your experience uh, that we can avoid. For example, some mistakes we can learn from them, but some mistakes we can avoid by learning before doing something. So uh, can you list such mistakes? Yeah, sure. Um, 
Let's see. Here's one that seems very simple, but it's, uh, you know, sort of a symptom of things that go a little bit deeper. Uh, if you show up on a website and you see that the first thing on the main menu is about, about us, um, that's a mistake uh, mm -hmm. because nobody cares, at least not yet. So one of the things that I'm <laughs> probably too fond of saying is nobody cares what you do. Yeah, your, your prospects don't care what you do. Your prospects don't even care what you can do for them. Um, I'm messing this up. This is something that I say all the time. Your prospects don't care about what you do. Your prospects care about what you can do for them. So yeah. until you have made it clear to them what you can do, they're not interested in your credentials, where you went to college, how many years of experience you've got, how big your team is. All of that will matter, but not yet. So first... You need to focus on um, uh, what it is you do and how you're going to help them. And then they'll dig deeper to make sure, you know, sort, sort of to validate the, the choice that they're making. And that's a very simple example, the placement of where the about section is on your on your main menu. But I bet if about is the first thing on your main menu, you're probably also going to be able to read through not just your website, but all of your marketing content and see a lot more uh, sentences about me and our rather than you and your where you really want to have that outward facing focus that you really want to be writing your, your content, your marketing content from your prospects perspective. So I, I would say that that is the yeah. biggest mistake that we see and one that really can uh, have the biggest negative effect. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I often see uh, similar mistakes on LinkedIn when companies uh, create profiles, selfish profiles, <laughs> and most profiles are selfish. Uh, these companies and or people don't care about their customers because right. <laughs> they usually share how they are great. Nobody cares <laughs> how you're great. Everyone wants great. So if you, uh, the main goal is to highlight how you can make your customers great, your customer hero. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, great very insight. well put. And, Yeah, um, I, I, I often review such profiles and tell them, please remove all <laughs> this information and highlight how you can help, support. Right. <laughs> Andrea, I want to ask about your experience. What I usually found uh, that I usually get great results with customers who understand what I do. So if um, they understand, then we can uh, go ahead like a cohesive team. We know why we need to create high-quality content, why it's important to think more about Uh, traffic value than getting more traffic many different insights uh, but if my customers don't understand i tell them go to youtube go to google take my course take other course just learn learn get the basic if you have the basic we can go ahead it's the same like uh, if someone wanna uh, uh, lose weight the best coach can't help you if you don't know why you need to eat healthy food, why you need to drink water, to uh, uh, go to gym, uh, many different insights. So you need to help experts uh, to lose weight. So uh, let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. It's your first day in content marketing, website improvements. What will you do today if you started from scratch? Wow, what a daunting prospect having to start over from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, uh, and this is an interesting thing in post-COVID uh, post times, 
but I would certainly try and seek out mentors, uh, folks mm -hmm. who I could, you know, sit at their elbow and learn from, hopefully provide some value to them in, in the process. But uh, learning how others are doing things um, and trying to do it in a way that you're getting varied perspectives, not just the way that one person at one company does things, but how different people are doing things. So perhaps it's not just sitting at someone's help, uh, you know, at someone's elbow uh, being mentored, but also really paying attention to what other people are doing and try and figure out what did that look like from the inside? Why did they make these choices? What were they trying to uh, solve for? It, you know, it's not just, hey, they put this great content out there and it's gotten a lot of uh, attention because it was very, um, you know, it just went viral. You know, it was very quotable. Um, but why? What, what, was, what was their goal? I think that might be where I start. But boy, that's a, that sounds like a tough day, first day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it, love it. And my final question about the future. Can you take your crystal ball and forecast what kind of future will be in content marketing? Because we have AI today. Uh, Apple is going to launch a headset. Probably augmented reality will come. I don't know. So many things can change, but people are the same uh, you know like in marketing books uh, human psychology is the same but uh, we need to find the way how to entertain them to share value to sell products so forecast what kind of future will be and how we can adapt to this possible future you know as uh, ai has has grown so quickly over the last i mean it grew so quickly in just a couple of months and and in the last few months it's uh, um, just continued that growth I, uh, I'm really torn between seeing the possibility for two different futures. One that is so much more technology driven uh, with AI really seeping into every area uh, uh, of, of culture, quite honestly, not just, not just marketing. Um, and the other end of the spectrum where there's finally pushback. Um, you know, personalization is a great thing and in marketing and it's also kind of creepy right like you know you go to a website looking to buy a new ladder and then for the next three months every ad you see when you you're surfing around the web is for ladders there ought to be a button i could click to say hey i already bought the ladder stop stop sending me these ads um but in one, one way you know i'd rather see ads for ladders something i am or at least was interested in than in ads for you know shampoo i, I don't use a lot of shampoo so um it's uh i i think that there could be pushback uh, in that direction especially as ai becomes more invasive and um certainly it, it has the potential to be problematic it's also fascinating it, just how useful it has become already so i'm uh, sorry i'm going to hitch my bets and say we might end up in a world where things are so automated, we, it will be hard for us to recognize what they're like, uh, or a world where we've gone much more retro and um, the human touch is going to be all the more important. Nice. Awesome. Love it. Love it, Andrew. It's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. I love it. So valuable. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yes, uh, uh, andigo.com, A-N-D-I-G-O. That's uh, the place you'll find the most about us. I'm on LinkedIn as Andrew Shulkin. There is an Andy Shulkin who is uh, a cousin of mine, but um, uh, he's not me. Um, those are the two places you'll find the most about me, but I'm also uh, uh, pretty easy to find uh, on a Google search for uh, podcast appearances like this. Uh, my book, uh, Marketing for Small B2B Businesses, is out and available on Amazon. Uh, probably easiest to Google, uh, search my name on Amazon. That's where you'll find me. 
Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, give more insights about your book because I love reading books. You know, it's my loving format. But, you know, I can't read a teeny percent of all great books that we have today. You know, many great books. Uh, can you give me and my audience uh, benefits that we can get from your book so uh why we need to read your book what kind of value we can get by reading your books because for me it's important you know to learn from books i i get the best ideas from books so anything yes. absolutely so uh the book is called marketing for small b2b businesses um and the subtitle is which i have to read it because it's so long how content creates marketing muscle and powers traditional and digital marketing um it's uh, I would I don't want to say it's an overview for that because that makes it sound like it's just marketing 101, but it goes from everything from from marketing mindset and how to make sure you're in the right mindset to really create the kinds of value that your audience is going to uh, um, uh, respond well to all the way through uh, very detailed things, you know, very specific actionable things like uh, creating landing pages and lead magnets. Um, so it's definitely for B2B businesses and for small B2B businesses. Um, and it is written, I think, accessibly enough that even if you haven't gotten started in marketing yet, uh, it will be easy for you to understand and take value from. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, you can find the link to this book, to the website, to LinkedIn in the description below. I recommend to anyone to follow Andrew on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn because you can see a lot of value. I'm going to read this book i recommend to anyone to read it to get more value uh thanks again andrew it's a big pleasure love it so valuable uh thanks guys for listening and watching us thanks for listening to this entire podcast please rank your experience in apple spotify google or any other platforms that you may use also please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift we'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.